Hey, Jenny, can you believe that we've recorded over 10 episodes of the Wallflowers of Blue podcast? And it was all possible thanks to Anchor. Let us explain. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you know what else? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Which is awesome because it's the first time that we created a podcast. We also upload to CastBox and Stitcher, but there is more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships, which is awesome. Yes, it is. We found that out. It's everything you need to start your podcast in one place. Kind of like those big chain stores that have groceries, hardware, and more. That's exactly. Awesome. It is awesome, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We did. Hello and welcome to Wallflowers in Bloom. A podcast where we share the joys and challenges of being introverts. I'm Jenny. And I'm Eric. Each episode we share with you stories and antidotes that touch on how we prosper and thrive in a world dominated by extroverts. We also have guest speakers who share their experience and expertise on this topic and read letters from our fellow Wallflower listeners on how they cope and conquer. So grab your favorite beverage, settle in, and relax with us. Music is by Nate Johnson. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Wallflowers in Bloom. We have the lovely Nicole with us today. We'll usually do kind of like a morning mental health check-in just to see like how our week is going, how everybody's doing. Okay. So okay. Eric, if, if you want to start with the check-in, how are you doing? How are you feeling with this shifting around? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I wanted to say, first of all, thank you, Nicole, for joining us. Thank you for being on our podcast and welcome. Thank you. And I'm pretty good. I was in London for 35 days and I was invited down to Southern England through a friend. So we were out and about today and just got back from there having brunch and doing some sightseeing. I'm in a village, not a town or city, but I'm in the village in Southern England between Winchester and Southampton, which is a port town in southwest England, I think it is. So my last week has been pretty good, just adjusting to things here, which the main thing is just the quiet. I think the town is less than 2,000 people. So of course, coming from LA, where I lived for many years, being in Stockholm, which is smaller than LA, London, which is somewhat on par with LA as far as population, and then coming here, this is the smallest place I've ever been. So it sounds so beautiful in films and TV, the sound of birds and and the rustle of trees. But if you're not used to it, it is a foreign sound. (laughs) (laughs) I have to admit that sitting out in their backyard, which is beautiful, it's green, it's great landscape, and it's just so quiet. And I'll sit out there and I've become aware that although I'm outwardly quiet, my brain is going like a million miles a minute and so I'll be sitting there this looks so peaceful this looks so nice and I'm like Eric you're not really enjoying this because I'm not in the moment so yeah that's pretty much what's been going on with me you know working of course with the podcast with Jenny and the ideas that we're coming up with it and then also my writing yeah it's a good week giving myself permission to just be calm 
I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Success doesn't have to be about being frantic and running around a million miles a minute, mainly up here in my head. So how have you been, Nicole? How's your week been? It's been going well. I work at a college library, so I've been helping students to transition to getting our services online. We've changed over the library so that it has the social distancing protocols in place, and we've been able to have a few students in there. So a lot of my time has been taken up with the beginning of the semester being a lot different than usually it would be. And then also, in addition to that, I've started a new brand for writers that are women, 35 and over, women of faith. And so I've been working on that, trying to get the social media going. And it's a digital information products for that particular group. So I've been working on trying to get my first ebook written for that as well. It's called The Lush Lit Life. I was on your website and you did have a spot for writers to find inspiration. And I thought this is really neat for another writer to be helping and motivating other writers and having a spot on your website saying like, hey, if you've got writer's block, go here, get inspired. I thought that was neat. I'm a teacher, I think at heart and also the librarian side of me that it always wants to help. Yeah, that's really important to me to help other writers. I grew up with an aunt who was a librarian, so we appreciate you. <laughs> How's yeah. your week been, Jenny? My daughter's been doing distance learning. So this whole week, it's just kind of been an adjustment. And I've talked about it previously of my daughter having dyslexia. And we had set up all these things at school for her to receive help, extra help, extra time, just to make it easier for her. So now like, I understand, I see the struggle. She doesn't have enough time. Things move really, really fast. So that has been emotionally wise, really hard. I had plans, you know, when she's doing Zoom, I'll do this. And it's gotten to the point where it's like, I can't really do that because I need to sit and help her. So that's what my week has been is just adjusting to pretty much her school and making sure that she's able to get through the assignments. So it is what it is, but she's yeah. doing really awesome and we're working at it together. Hearing a parent who is staying focused and dedicated to that just sounds really amazing. Yeah, thank you. I, I think I needed those words. It's, it's new for the both of you. Yeah, it is. So yeah, so that's my week. Again, Nicole, thank you for joining us. Eric, the article you found. Well, I mean, Nicole, Jenny and I have talked about doing an episode where we talk about not just being introverts, but also cultural expectations, specifically with me being Black and with her being Hispanic, and how it's an interesting layer to have on that when my experience as a Black person, I know I'm quiet, and that's a challenge in itself in dealing with people. But then you're dealing with that expectation of, oh, well, it's the Black guy coming, we're going to have fun, we're going to do X, Y, and Z even within the culture that's expected and navigating those waters and how one deals with that. And one of the things I really liked about your article is one that I related to it so much. It was like, okay, I'm not the only one. Uh, kind of like what Jenny said earlier, sometimes we need either in words through somebody in our life or just through reading something to realize, okay, I'm not the only one. So I, I don't have to feel as unique as I thought I was. So yeah, I just really appreciated you allowed yourself to put that down on paper and to share that with others, your vulnerability, which is a source of strength for so many of us, or I should say for me. So I really appreciated that. Just for the interest of our audience, do you identify as an introvert or an extrovert? Um, I identify as an introvert. 
you know, some people, introversion and extroversion is like a continuum. And I feel like I'm at the far end of introversion. So I'm a definite introvert. What motivated you to write the article? I think what motivated me to write it was just seeing the lack of diversity in the portrayals of Black women, specifically in media, in terms of their personalities. There was always this stereotypical, she's loud, she's irreverent, she's quick to anger. It's just something I've never really related to. And I have friends and family members and people around me other Black women I know that weren't like that. And so I just wanted to speak to that and also to talk about some of the experiences that I've had as an introverted Black girl about things that people will say without thinking about it. Like in the piece, I talked about going to an event back in college for my sorority and being told that you don't want to be known as the quiet girl sorority, so you need to be X, Y, and Z. So just trying to get that out there. And, you know, as you said earlier, reflecting that for people, other people like me that may have similar experiences. And so they'll know that they're not alone and that there's others out there that feel that way and they have experienced those things. Mm -hmm. What's the part that you wrote, just kind of quoting, sometimes I still feel this way as an adult, and I often sometimes feel punished for being quiet. And that really hit hard for me because being a Hispanic woman raised by a Caucasian family, I'm very different and I'm not what people usually expect in personality wise or extrovert wise. Also, I have one parent who's the life of a party. And so they expect me when they meet me or see me, they expect me to do that. The weird looks, I don't think they say it and maybe I'm too much in my head, but the expectation has like fallen. Mm -hmm. Like they seem so disappointed in my personality once they meet me because I didn't meet the expectation. Um, I think that when somebody meets an introverted person of color, you're being judged based off of the stereotypes of your race and your culture. And that's layered on top of what people already have coming in preconceived notions of introverts. So you're dealing with two separate sets of assumptions yeah. that people are having on you. And so that's why, like you said, perfectly, it feels like you're being persecuted for both things. Mm. Yeah. And that was one thing I liked about the art too, is you shared real life experiences. And I relate to that too. You know, within the family, not as much, I think, because our family's going to accept us for the most part for who we are. But within the culture, what you yeah. touched on, Jenny, not so much in words, but my perception is more in energy or in looks sometimes, <laughs> mainly in large group settings. It's like, okay, this function is going on. We invited you. We know you're going to do this. And that, and that expectation is not met. And then I feel like they're not processing that I may be an introvert. And so I'm going to be ostracized. Yeah, a lot of times introversion is read as aloofness or I know personally it's you're bougie, you're stuck up. It's always kind of read usually in like a negative way. So I definitely relate to yeah. that. We've gotten plenty of those. I thought you were such a snob. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> Bougie is a big one. I know in the Black community, that is not a compliment at all. <laughs> right. You know, when someone says you're bougie, they've just told you everything they think about you in one word. And right. I know for me, the challenge has been knowing that once I'm comfortable with somebody, I can be a nice and engaging person. But when that type of term is given to me, less so now that we've started this podcast and started connecting with others, I don't judge myself because I went through a period of time, probably most of my life, where I said, well, am I? Am I bougie? Am I stuck up? Do I think I'm better than the other things? I've heard is, oh, that one, he thinks he's somebody. <laughs> 
you know, and, and I've sat alone with myself and questioned that. And I like now that articles like yours and other people coming forward and talking about this more that I know for me, it gives me permission to breathe and say, I'm going to just be me and be okay with that. Right. And that's really awesome that you're doing articles on your website. You had something that you had been with Susan Kane as well. I saw her TED talk and it just completely inspired me. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> thank you. I was with some friends, some new friends, and there was a person that wasn't doing a lot of talking. And as I sat back and observed, in my head, I was like, oh my God, they don't like me. Oh my God, why aren't they talking? And then I realized, like, they might be introverted like me. So I myself have to stop. I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, maybe they're not comfortable. Maybe they're not happy. Like, what do I do? Maybe they don't like me. They don't want to talk to me. But then I realized, like, no. The United States in particular is a very extroverted nation. I think that, you know, if you're an introvert, it's a survival tactic to try to play the role of an extrovert in order to get the opportunities that you want or to survive. You know, you have to be the way that people you know, are most comfortable with. So I definitely understand. And I've done the same thing, Jenny. Like I've been around other introverted people and wondered what's going on. And then like you, I have to pull back and say, well, they're like me. I understand myself. I'll understand more about them. And forget what I was reading, but I think it was like an etiquette manual or something about personality. I think it was from back in like the 50s or 60s. But it was like introversion used to be considered kind of like a mental illness or something back in that age. So I think that we've come a long way with, like you said, Susan Cain. And there's a lot of different platforms now that are for introverts. So we've come a long way with people just accepting that it's just a different personality style. Shout out to all our introverted Instagrammers who put all those fun memes up (laughs) (laughs) Nicole for yourself when did you become aware that you would have described yourself as an introvert um I feel like I've always known that I've been introvert since childhood but of course I didn't know the word introvert until probably college and then when I started to look into what that was and how it's really just a difference of how people draw energy introverts draw energy from within extroverts draw energy from the environment around them and from other people I really resonated with that and it really gave me a lot of liberation in terms of not feeling like an anomaly. Yeah, I feel like I've been this all my life. And I've always known that I have a different way of relating to the world than maybe some other people do. How and when did you discover your passion for writing? That's also something that I feel has been with me since childhood. I think what it was was when I was in grade school, I don't remember what grade it was, maybe third or fourth, and we had a writing assignment. And that's when I started getting praise and recognition for my writing. And I started seeing that was something I could do well. In middle school, I just loved reading and I started wanting to recreate or create my own versions of what I was reading. And then in high school, my parents actually pushed me to be a part of the literary journal that was at my high school. And I ended up being the editor of that. You know, since a young age, I've known that that's the only thing I've ever really wanted to do. I'm a librarian now. I've done other things, but especially creative writing and poetry, that's really stuck with me and it's been really the only thing I've ever wanted to do. That's good that you knew that early on. Now, when did you decide that you wanted to pursue your writing as a career? In high school, that's when I really, I decided I wanted to be a writer. And at first I was into journalism. I have a master's in journalism and I did freelance, right? I mean, the article that we're talking about, I did freelance writing for a while. 
in high school, I, I really wanted to make sure that I was doing something that was something I love to do and not just do it because of expectations of other people or because of money or anything like that. Because I felt like I had watched so many other people do things that they were miserable doing, but the money or whatever else was why they were doing it. And I really didn't want to do that. So that's why I decided to pursue that as a profession. And in undergraduate school, I started off as a journalism major and then switched to English because I really felt like I was more of a creative writer. But you know how it is with arts, society kind of makes you feel as though art is not enough. You always have to have something that's more practical that you can have a real job doing. So I went into education as well. So I taught for a while. And then I felt like I was sliding into what I wanted to avoid in high school, which was doing something for the practicality of it and not because it was something I was passionate doing. And so I'm a librarian now. I do feel like as an artist, you do have to be realistic and you do have to accept the fact that you may have to do something in addition to your art, but it's not something that you should ever let go. And so now I have really come into owning the fact that I'm a poet first. And although I'm interested in writing other things, that's what my language is, is poetry. And so I'll nurture that. Thank you for sharing that. And we've actually touched on that between the two of us personally, but also with other people that we've interviewed. So it's great to hear somebody who, like you were very clear, of, you wanted to do something you made a living on, but something that added value to your life and hopefully to others. And I'm hearing that so much more now these days and maybe connected to COVID and some of the challenges around that. But it's great to hear somebody that you were aware of that when you were in high school. I've done that. And now I'm kind of trying to pull myself out of it. But your courage for not wanting to let that happen, I think is awesome. Because I think a lot of people let their fear of what if I'm not good at it? Or what if nobody likes what I do or nobody relates to it? It's so hard. I think we have social media to think because I feel like we can reach a lot more people now than we used to be able to reach. And I've learned for myself because I've been on this journey for almost a year now and I've had people come up to me privately and say good on you for doing that for following your passion but one thing that I'm learning I don't know if people were saying this to you I had to acknowledge for myself that the thing that I was most afraid of is people's expectations of me if I do this they're going to be disappointed right that's a big thing for me too and, and sometimes we have to realize that that's just in our heads we think people expect things of us, but it's not really what other people expect. We're putting that off on other people, but it's what we're expecting of ourselves. And we're having to be more realistic with ourselves because when you really ask people, you might find out they're actually you know, encouraging of you, whatever you decide to do, they might just want you to be happy. And our parents' generation, the reason why they have the attitude towards making a living in art the way they do is because they just don't want to see us struggle. I try to appreciate the care and the love that people are trying to express when they might say that they have these expectations. You just have to balance that out. I still go through fear about if I get to the point where I can leave my job, how do I do that? And that's going to be scary. And it's an ongoing battle and it's an ongoing thing that you just have to give yourself time to get through. It's interesting to hear that because in my mind, it's like you've published stuff before. To me, you're a legitimate writer. And to hear a writer say that somebody who has gotten some professionalism behind you, I guess it's just a reminder of the human condition, too. Yeah. Sometimes just overthinking because of the expectations of someone else, it paralyzes us from really pursuing what we want. And sometimes our own minds can spiral us down. 
It's just amazing the power of the mind. Of the negative part of it. Right. <laughs> the negative yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, have you written any other pieces on any other platforms? Have you discussed the intersection of race and introversion? No, I haven't written anything similar to the introverted Black Girl article. But since doing this podcast with you all. I think that I'm inspired to start writing on that topic again. I am interested in getting into doing more essays in addition to the poetry, but I was working on self-publishing my first poetry book. And so that's where my efforts as far as writing went. I have two sisters. And when you brought up specifically with Black women, I found that part of my makeup is just upbringing. And my sisters have shared stories with me of being more subdued and more quiet, more introspective, and how they've had to deal with that as Black women in particular, people's expectations around that. My one sister, she said even something as simple as going to the hair salon and just the way she walked into a space and a space that we know of as being welcoming, she feels like she's pushed to the side because she's not giving them that energy that they expect. I have that same experience, the hair salon in the Black community being a place of socialization. It's kind of a, a symbol of Black sisterhood in a sense. In some areas, some Black women regard their stylist as almost like a therapist, but I've never really had that type of relationship with that because I am more introverted. And I mean, we talk, but you know, sometimes you just, you don't want the conversation, but if that's what's expected, it's not because you're trying to be off-putting or antisocial. It's just that that's just how your mind is set up. But yeah, I definitely relate to your sister in that you're just getting your hair done. Again, that whole bougie thing comes back in. I'm here doing your hair, and it's not that at all. I've had that experience with the Black Barbershop because it's a similar mm-hmm. face of brotherhood, of community. For years, I just didn't know. I personalized it. I just said they don't like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then as I got older and become more aware, and especially as Jenny and I have done this podcast, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to accept this is not where I'm going to find my own place of community. I just have to accept that it's going to be just the place I'm going to get my hair cut. You know, I definitely never feel like I um, want to hang out and not because I don't want to hang out. I just don't feel like my energy fits within that space. Right. I've gotten better with small talk. That's something that I think is hard for a lot of introverts and it's been hard for me at times. So when I go to somewhere like a hairdresser or something like that, we know that's expected. So I just go prepared and ready to have some topics to talk about. I don't want people to be uncomfortable around me. I don't want people to feel like all of the things that they may assume, like we talked earlier about being introverted. I really don't like to have that as like a primary identity or use that as an excuse to not interact with people or make people uncomfortable. So it's just something I've accepted that I have to put more effort into when I go into different places. That's good advice. I've definitely had experience of knowing that I have to go into this one-on-one type of space. Like you said, Nicole, you just kind of want to sit there and just kind of enjoy stuff in silence. Yeah. My little icebreaker is my daughter is very extroverted and very talkative. So a lot of times I'll take her and she'll take over the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my mom is actually, my mom is actually, she would say before she had me, before she had us, I have two other siblings that she was very introverted. But when she had us, she felt as though she was forced to speak up more. So even though my mom is more naturally introverted, if you were to meet her, you would think she was an extrovert. I think there's just things that happen in our lives as introverts that force us to do it because we have to 
advocate for our children, advocate for ourselves. Yeah. That was another thing you saying advocating for. Our very first episode was about confrontation. As an introvert, I don't like it. And it makes me the center of attention. You bring up an interesting thing. I know myself, I would say out the gate, I'm more introverted, more introspective. But do you think maybe through experiences of being introvert or the negative connotations around that, that in some ways we retreat into ourselves a little bit more than the experiences like becoming a parent or following a new career path gives us opportunities to get out of that shell that we may have gone into because of some of the negative connotations around being an introvert? Definitely when you're younger, you retreat a lot. You might avoid the school dances or avoid social events. And even as going into an adult, you might do that. But then the older you get, the less accepting I think people are of that retreating instead of just standing up and doing what you have to do and just like what Jenny was talking about with the confrontation I don't like confrontation either but I just realized there's nobody that's going to come in and save me there's nobody that's going to come in and do this for me if I want something or if I need this I have to be the one to speak up the older you get I just feel like you don't have the luxury of retreating unfortunately <laughs> that is true <laughs> also eric i think this has pulled us out of our shell a little bit this podcast because yes. we've had to put ourselves out there yes. so i think this has been our learning experience as well <laughs> it, no it really has i agree with you and we don't know you and so when we interview people that we don't know you know I, I think i can somewhat tell through your work like oh i think she could be a good energy but there's a part of me before meeting i have to go okay just be yourself because the podcast about introverts so it's going to be okay <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you have to mentally prepare beforehand yeah i also am aware that i want to make sure i don't overshoot the mark and i'm not myself at all yeah. you don't want to be fake and inauthentic because that's yeah, a big yeah. thing with me I, I really value authenticity and when people are sincere that's where our podcast is just being sincere with yourself even though it's not what everybody expects you know just be yourself and it's okay it's okay to you know say i reached my limit and i think i need to head out and i love you guys and i'll see you tomorrow or i'll see you later right. and that is always okay you know yeah. for your own mental health and for your own self and we want to normalize that mm -hmm. as well i love that authenticity because it just takes me back to my 20s every now and again back then i like to go out just to enjoy the atmosphere but there were those moments when i was especially around romance i have to get this person to like me i have to act this way but most people can read through that one so it made it even more of a turnoff I assume because I just wasn't myself and one thing I heard too around being more comfortable in our skin as introverts is sometimes it's just okay just to say to somebody you know what either this isn't my scene or this isn't me and most people it seems like they appreciate that yeah I've had where I've been invited to places and where I used to look for an excuse you know I've got such a busy day <laughs> uh, <you> know, <laughs> so many things to do. You are always busy. <laughs> I'm not going to make it. Now, yeah. I'm truly more comfortable saying, you know what, it's not truly for me. And I get a much better response from people. One of my best friends, she's really extroverted and she always wants to do something. And there's some times where I'll tell her, I was like, you know what, my energy level is just not there today. I can't do that with you. Mm. And I've gotten a lot more better responses because sometimes when you say, oh, I've got things to do and a busy schedule, they'll try to look for, well, right. we can reschedule it. And I'm like, damn it, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think when you take the time to explain, and sometimes you may not get that opportunity all the time, but I think when you have the opportunity to explain to people what's going on, rather than just leaving and then thinking it's me or whatever, you know, like you said, it just goes along a lot better. And I've had that experience too of saying, well, I've got this to do or I'm busy or I'm happy that people want to spend time with me. So I don't want yeah. to deter that, but that's the good thing about being honest with people about exactly what's going on with you that you just need to recharge your energy it's not them and you'd like to spend time with them at a later time sure yeah now as a creative as a writer especially as a poet and for our listeners it's not about an us against them but do you think that creatives are more introvert or more introspective or are they more extroverted i used to think that creatives were more introverted and it would make more sense to me because i think art does take a lot of introspection in order to get good art but i think now it's probably even balanced especially in writing especially if you're going to go to more towards the freelance writing journalism side of things a lot of journalists i would say are very extroverted they have to be in order to get out and do these interviews and that type of thing i would say poets and fiction writers and people who are more on the creative side might be a little bit more introverted but i mean i think that you know that creative energy can be in both personality types eric you have an artist friend he's so good uh, with yeah. the social media <laughs> Um, And he's probably a little extroverted, just like you said, Nicole, because you have to kind of look within Mm -hmm. the energy within to make these masterpieces, you know, so. But I didn't think about the putting yourself out there aspect. Right. Yeah, that's the other side of it. And so you need that extroversion to be able to do that. Just within Mm -hmm. freelancing, it's hard for me to put out pitches because the way it's set up now is that you really have to develop strong relationships with editors to really get them to pay attention to your pitch. It's difficult for me. I get kind of hesitant to do that. I would say that as a creative community, those of us who are more introverted and those of us who are more extroverted, maybe that's an element that we need to help each other on. The introverted ones maybe help the more extroverted ones tap more into that introspection to go higher in their art. And then the extroverted ones help the introverted ones to have more of that self-promotion aspect. I love that. Helping each other out. Everybody kind of surrounding each other and Mm -hmm. doing a balance. Are you more attracted? to introverted or extroverted people. Yeah, I do have a boyfriend and I feel like he's more of an ambivert. He's kind of in the middle. So he has some introverted aspects to him, but he is very social at times as well. Just over time, I feel like I've been more attracted to introverts, ambiverts. I know we found a lot of people where one partner is really extroverted and the other one is introverted and it's a balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we had a one or two people, they both said that their husbands were introverted. For me as a man, I felt that was good to hear. Introversion as far as the negative connotations to it is a challenge, I think, for both. But I know for men, out the gate, you're told you have to be this way as a boy. Mm-hmm. And when you're not, that's in some ways similar to the culture or ethnic aspect of your character. But being a male, I know too, hearing these two women talk about that they were married to men who were extroverts was good for me to hear because I always think, oh, well, in order to attract somebody romantically, I have to be some guy in an action movie or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I love to hear those types of examples like oh he's an ambivert or he leans a little bit more to the introvert side but we work out together and that's awesome yeah yeah i don't know if you've done the myers-briggs test the first letter is either introvert or extroversion and then you can also do the test that will match you up with the personality that would be the most compatible with you and whenever i do that i would always get matched up with an extrovert and i'm like i don't see that because i don't usually get with extroverts so you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
ex-husband was an extrovert, but also it was a culture thing. He was raised in a very Hispanic culture, and they're very loud mm-hmm. and everywhere. And I would come in and sit down, and it used to upset him so much. He's like, you need to socialize. I'm like, I don't want to. I just want to want to sit here and enjoy everybody and their energy. And it's fun. I'm an only child. So kind of going and watching his brothers and his mom and everybody cook. Because, you know, they do these big barbecues and everybody's helping out. And I love just sitting back and watching everybody. And I thought that was nice. I think he expected me to be extroverted like him and be more out there like him. But I wasn't there. Do you have any other creative outlets in addition to writing? No, I have some interest in some other creative outlets, but I haven't really pursued those. I've toyed around with a podcast, but yeah, poetry is really the only thing that I do. I used to write a lot of poetry in high school. I probably have two journals full of very emotional poetry. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because writing was my outlet. I had journals, I had diaries. I have tons of them in my dad's house. That was my outlet. And one of my teachers just kind of went a little deeper and I loved it. The metaphors that you could use. I just thought that was beautiful. Well, they say, uh, was it George Michael, that song Careless Whisper? I think he wrote when he was 17. And he had never experienced at that point in his life the song that he wrote. Um, You never know. He was probably observing. Do you enjoy traveling? Yes, I do enjoy traveling. I don't do enough of it, but I do really enjoy traveling. I would like to visit every state in the United States. That would be my first goal. And then also there are some countries I would like to visit. I'd like to go to an African country, maybe South Africa or maybe another one that might be different. I would like to go to Brazil. I would like to go to Fuji. Hopefully in the future, I'll be able to get more into traveling. Jenny just did a road trip. I did a road trip across country. My goal was Raleigh, but then <laughs> it stopped in Atlanta. <laughs> oh. And then we had to turn around. It was a lot of fun to just kind of see all these little neat places. Yeah. You enjoyed Atlanta. I was in Atlanta for six months for a magazine internship. Atlanta's one of my favorite cities, and it's considered the L.A. of the South. We were only there for a couple of days. My childhood best friend lives out there with her son. Mm. And so we met up with them and stayed with them and we went to the aquarium which was breathtaking i've Mm. never seen anything like we have an aquarium out here but this just tops the cake like it blew my mind unfortunately i think a lot of places were closed so we didn't get to see much but from what i did see of it i really enjoyed it and liked it and it was interesting i drove from california through nevada and arizona which is kind of just desert and then you get into kind of new mexico and then there's a point where it goes from the complete desert to all of a sudden you see green Mm -hmm. and it's interesting just going from place to place and watching everything change around you Mm -hmm. so that was fun you mentioned uh, African countries. I also want to visit West Africa in particular. Since mm-hmm. I've been in Europe, I have one friend now. She's half Kenyan. Here in England, I met someone who's from Zimbabwe, Ghana, Sierra Leone, and Namibia. So this is just in Europe. But I know as a Black person that Africa is not a country, it is a continent. And I say that because, oh, well, actually, this is my Aunt Connie, the one I mentioned, the librarian. She always says that when people say, oh, he's African, say, well, what country? Because if somebody says that you European or they're Asian, your next question is what country? And I'm definitely learning that here in Europe as I meet people who may look similar to me, but they say, oh, I'm from Namibia, I'm from Ghana, I'm from South Africa. So a continent of so many different countries and cultures and languages. That's been educational for me. I had a cousin, he's a pediatrician, but 
he went in Africa to do some work. I've seen their pictures and they do a lot of like hiking and stuff. It just looks so gorgeous out there. Oh, and one of our guests was uh, from Nigeria. She's uh, Nigerian. Do you prefer to travel alone or with your partner or with others? I would prefer to travel with others. Maybe I would travel alone if it was like a state away or something like that, but some long distance trip, I need to be with somebody. My first solo voyage out of the U.S. was to Montreal. That was my test trip to see if I could do it by myself. And once I did that, kind of like Frederick, who we interviewed a few weeks ago, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm not waiting for friends or whoever to Mm -hmm. get their schedules together. I got a ticket. I'm out of (laughs) here. Courage. Or some might say a little crazy. See, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit of both. This has been awesome. Yeah. If you want to say where we could find you, your website, your Instagrams, or social medias, Nicole. So my website is Nicole O. Nichols, and it's N I C H O L E O N I C H O L S, Nicole O. Nichols.com. My social media is the same, Nicole at Nicole O. Nichols. And then the project that I mentioned earlier, the business that I have is the Lush Lit Live. And that's the website. And then the social media for that is also the same. We just want to thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk to us and talk about your article and your personal experiences. We really loved having you on. And again, thank you. And we appreciate you for that. You're very welcome. And I was honored that you invited me to do this. This was a good opportunity. Oh, no, thank you. We're honored. And I wanted to say quickly, I love your name. I was a theater major. I moved to LA for acting. And when I first saw your name, Nicole O. Nichols. I was like, that's a great actress name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody says I need to be in acting or I need to be a TV anchor or something. And they oh, said it, yeah, they've yeah. I've always been told it sounds like a famous name. It does. It really does. <laughs> it does. Or I can see like branding on, like, especially with celebrities branding their um, fashion lines. I could see it in cursive. Oh, Nicole O. Nichols. Oh, that's awesome. All right, Nicole, we'll we'll let you go and have an awesome day. And thank you. And anytime you want to come back on, we'll keep in touch and we'll love to have you back and have an update on how your new projects are going too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 And I'll definitely be following it and I'm going to be forwarding it to my sister's too. Okay. Thank you. All right, Nicole. Thank you. Have a good day. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time with us. If you have questions or a story you'd like to share, email us at wallflowersinbloom2020 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at wallflowers underscore in underscore bloom and search for us on Facebook under Wallflowers in Bloom. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and CastBox. Until next time. 